Most Christians can easily communicate the importance of making disciples, but few can articulate how they are personally engaging in the process. Proclaiming the need for discipleship in theory is not the same as prioritizing its implementation in life. If you're ready to get started, it's time to get the second mile in discipleship. Hey, this is Travis Agnew, and thank you for joining me for this 46th episode of the Second Mile Podcast, where I want to talk to you about discipleship reorientation. Uh, the Second Mile Podcast was started earlier this year uh, just as an attempt to be able to say, hey, we don't want to do just the bare minimum as we find uh, our opportunity to follow Jesus and to make disciples and to see growth in our own lives. But to really decide that we were going to do this all the way is for us to really say, let's take Jesus' word seriously. And really at the heart of everything that we've talked about, whether it's life or spiritual disciplines or marriage or purity or holiness, you name it, it's all about not doing just the bare minimum. You want to follow Jesus with everything you have. And that's why going the second mile is so very important. Uh, this week, uh, I was able to release something that I've been working on for a long time and been able to share some of the concepts in the podcast earlier this year, but wanted to give the opportunity also just to actually read a chapter from a book that came out this week called um, Distinctive Discipleship. So uh, something that we decided years ago, um, really in, in my own heart, was that we were going to take seriously in our family the opportunity to make disciples within our home. For those that are in our family or those uh, within our church and that we wanted to really take discipleship seriously. And one of the things that as we realized through the years is that everybody really talks about the need for discipleship, but really if you can't articulate how they're doing it. And so the prayer of mine for the last two years or so is I wanted to have an opportunity, some type of way that I could give a checklist for people to really help uh, know how to make a disciple. But one of the problems was uh, I think so many people, they know that discipleship is important, uh, but being able to actually do it is, is very um I don't know, it almost seems cumbersome because few can articulate how to do it. And so my prayer was, let me just come up with a plan. And the more that I got into it, uh, the more frustrated I got because it wasn't simple. There wasn't a biblical checklist of 21 points that every single person needs to know or know how to do before they are um, given a certificate of completion of discipleship. Uh, but so really what happened is that through a, a long time of studying the scripture and prayer and implementation, um, I sort of came up with a model of distinctive discipleship that I, I think comes from the pages of Scripture as a great example that Paul was using with the Colossian church. And as a result, we've tried to use it in our home and with our friends and, and now in our church. And as one of those things that as I started working on it uh, and started sharing this, other people would ask me outside of our church and ask what we were doing and, and the type of model, because I really do see that so many people are looking for a way to uh, engage in discipleship. They just don't know how to get started. So the two uh, resources that I came out with this week, uh, number one is a book. It's an 11-chapter book called Distinctive Discipleship. It's available on Amazon or my blog, travisagnew.org. Uh, it's just an 11-chapter uh, book that sort of says uh, why discipleship is important, sort of helps explain sanctification, and then gives you a process of how to do it, the six kind of categories that we walk through. The second resource is called the Distinctive Discipleship Bible Study. Uh, as we were going through this, the women in our church, uh, there's a group of them that wanted to do a Bible study as I was going through the sermon series, but they said, hey, we really want to dig in this. And so I created this guide for them uh, with a you know weekly lesson and then also daily devotion just kind of supplement it. And these two things work together, but you can uh, use them by themselves. And, and honestly, it was one of those things that I, I really was hesitant to formulate it into some type of way. But the more that I talked, the more that people said, hey, I'm, I'm looking for a guide, uh, something to say, I know discipleship is important, but how can I get started? So for this, this is a guide. It's not perfect. It's not the best thing 
you'll ever hear, but I really do think that maybe it, it can contribute to what you're trying to do in your own personal growth or in the growth of another. So what I want to do is I want to read a little bit from chapter one today on discipleship reorientation from the book, Distinctive Discipleship, and maybe just sort of help you get your mind going on some stuff and whether or not this resource, do you feel like it's a, can it be helpful to you? Uh, maybe it can get you started in thinking about what does it mean to make disciples. Most Christians can easily communicate the importance of making disciples, but few can articulate how they are personally engaging in the process. Proclaiming the need for discipleship in theory is not the same as prioritizing its implementation in life. Most churches and ministries are very busy with numerous activities, yet many regularly lament the lack of tangible success despite extensive efforts. What if the problem is not what we are doing, but how we are doing it? Despite our sincere intentions, we will fail in making many disciples if we are unable to make just one. Our efforts are often unsuccessful simply because they are unfocused. The destination of discipleship is the same for every individual, but each unique journey demands specific directions. Think of it like you would a Sunday morning. As people gather at a church campus for worship, they all arrived at the same place yet traveled by different paths. Some took a left out of their driveways while others turned right. The commutes of some took less than 10 minutes while others required more time. Upon arriving at the destination, some saw the church buildings through the driver's side window while others viewed them through the passenger side. The church all gathered to the same place, but none of them shared the identical set of directions to get there. And if someone wanted to join you next week, you were unable to give instructions if you don't know where they are starting. It is impossible to provide directions to the destination until you identify the point of origin. The same is true for our spiritual conditions. While all true Christians will end up in the same place one day, none of us are in the same position currently. We all might be aiming for spiritual growth, but we each are starting from different bases and stunted by unique challenges. All of our advantages, disadvantages, successes, failures, habits, and surprises have positioned each of us at different starting locations. Christian maturity should be the ambition for every single one of us, but none of us are lingering in a precisely similar situation as another in our spiritual development. That's why our call to make disciples is so important. While our souls are where they need to be after conversion, that does not mean that they are where God wants them to stay. We must grow up in our faith. And if the goal of spiritual formation is to see immature believers grow into mature disciple makers, we must have a coherent strategy. Followers of Jesus do not gradually look more like Him by accident. If every Christian is in a spiritually unique place surrounded by specific challenges, why do we think that a broad approach will work for every single one of us? Each of us needs a precise plan, whether we realize it or not. While we tout the ideal of simple approaches, we are anything but simple people. Each person requires a distinct amount of intentionality, and we each require ongoing evaluation to determine our needs since we are all constantly changing. Finding a thorough strategy for a church is daunting, but designing a specific plan for each member seems downright infeasible. We need a simple approach for the masses that will allow us to develop a detailed strategy for each individual. Now, regardless of the overarching immensity of such a looming call, that ideal is Christ's expectation on His church. The task of making disciples is a unified command, but requiring diverse approaches. Each person is undeniably and remarkably different. We each come from contrasting backgrounds with varying needs. While we all start as infants in Christ, we each come from different environments with certain dispositions surrounded by unique relationships and carrying distinct baggage to which no other person can entirely relate. Generalized approaches can never fully address distinct disciples. With the massive task of discipling so many complex people, our efforts inadvertently drift towards ignoring the individual while emphasizing the institution. We often desire to formalize a contextual practice into a universal program, 
personalize a strategy that worked on one and mandate it upon others, or idealize a utopian scenario at which we will never arrive. We tend to prioritize a program's values over a person's needs. In our churches, we employ broad approaches for unique individuals. While God does use our vast corporate attempts, we discover within the biblical narrative and within our particular experiences that God moves uniquely with each specific person. What is descriptive in the life of one is not necessarily prescriptive in the lives of all. God is so intentional that He never utilizes a template that He forces upon each one of us. He is a purposeful Father who knows how to care for every single one of His children. God knows where you are right now, and He also knows the specific step that you need to take next. If God didn't use a cookie-cutter approach when He created us, why then would we use generic efforts to disciple one another now? Since there are so many needs, we often attempt a one-size-fits-all system. Most of our efforts in churches center around a shotgun approach with sincere hopes of impacting the majority of people. While this well-intended approach is logical reasoning, the process is not accomplishing satisfactory spiritual results. A sermon is a powerful medium to disperse information, but it is not ideal in the direct oversight of personal application. That is why relying on sermon series to fix discipleship problems will never fully succeed. The best curriculum in the world can steadily advance the theological formation of the groups in your church, but they cannot address every need present in every single room. While every believer can benefit from solid teaching on any specific biblical topic at any given time, each person has immediate critical needs that may never be addressed within a church's life cycle of sermons, groups, courses, or events. The realist in me wants to rely on mass efforts, but the idealist in me cannot escape this truth. Our discipleship efforts require distinct approaches. While mass appeals will produce positive trends in discipleship, we will be limited in our success until we discover a way to be intentional with each individual. If that sounds overwhelming, it doesn't have to be. Not only is a distinctive discipleship approach imperative, I believe that it is actually possible. If I informed you that Jesus left a note in your mailbox with critical directions, your schedule would instantaneously simplify. What clarity such a piece of information would bring into your life? The remarkable reality is that Jesus has left us clear marching orders. Your job today is to make disciples. We call his parting words the Great Commission, as is read in Matthew 28, 18-20. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Typically, someone's last words have a unique impact on his or her loved ones. Those final pieces of communication should hold a lasting effect, especially if you are the Son of God. You would think that the followers of Jesus would take those parting words and base their lives upon them. In some ways, many believers have prioritized Jesus' strategy over the last few centuries, but in other ways, we are still in danger of severe neglect. We are guilty of quoting the Great Commission more often than we have applied it. The Great Commission given to all disciples has turned into the Great Suggestion reserved for the serious few. The Great Commission, intended for obedience, has been altered to the Great Omission associated with negligence. The Great Commission, urging us to make disciples, has drifted to the Great Decommission, enabling us to make excuses. Instead of allowing Jesus' words to reorient our purpose on earth, we have practically disregarded it from our everyday lives. While Jesus' clarion call was meant to activate us to the work of discipleship, we have resorted to spectating upon the sidelines. We expect the religious professionals to handle the task given to the church at large. This decommission is unacceptable. There is a reason why discipler isn't an actual word. Being a disciple means that you should be discipling someone else as well. The end result of the Great Commission is explicit. 
Success will be determined by exponential multiplication rather than just explainable addition. If the primary growth of our churches is due to transferring people from one membership role to another, we are failing. We need conversion growth to increase and transfer growth to decrease. Some Christians do take evangelism seriously. The positive trends are encouraging, but evangelism is not the complete solution. Much of the problem in the church today is not that we have an evangelism problem, but a discipleship problem. The Spirit causes people to be born again, and somehow we expect spiritual infants to transform into mature disciples overnight without any intentional supervision on our part. The Great Commission calls us to make disciples and not just converts. So that was just a a piece of chapter one um, called Discipleship Reorientation from the book, Distinctive Discipleship. Just an opportunity for you maybe to start thinking through your own life. Are you doing what you can to make disciples, to make one disciple, and to be able to get down to a distinctive approach? Next week, I'm going to read the final part of the chapter just to get your idea on what this concept is and how you can get involved in the process of making disciples. I hope to see you on the second model.